welcome to the O Word Podcast. My name is Omar, and I'm back again with my buddy, pal, Johnny Ha. I made sure not to mess up the intro this time, because like last week, I think I said... Uh, yeah, you always say my name. O-O Podcast or something. You said something else. But uh, welcome to the podcast. This is where we use a random word generator, and we get a random word, and from there... We go our separate ways and find our own stories or articles or anything like that from uh, your favorite search engine. Google. Yeah, everyone's favorite search engine. Then we find stories and share it with each other. Wait, you got But tell before me. we start. Okay, cool. I remembered. Happy National Chocolate Ice Cream and Donut and Princess Birthday Day. So go get yourself a donut and uh, some chocolate ice cream and celebrate Princess Birthday. Okay, now I do have a question. Does that mean that it's a day for all the princesses, or if you have a daughter born on that day, she has to have a princess birthday party? So originally, I thought it was like princes, like prince apostrophe s birthday, like mm-hmm. like royalty prince, but now it's the guy prince. Oh, like a uh, purple rain, purple rain. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. Okay. What? The artist formerly known as Prince. You don't know his music, do you? Uh, those purple no, I don't. I'm not. Okay. I don't. I don't know a lot of things. That's that's fine, I guess. But uh, our word for this week was tree. A good word, right? T R E E tree. I like it. Yep. It's kind of like a children's novel. Tree. There's a cat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if uh, his footsteps uh, are heard. Uh, yeah, no. Um. I guess you're going to start first, but before we start, I'll say As that, usual. Well, yeah, of course. Uh, before we start, I will say that mine is an author. Is yours an author? No, mine's a tree. Oh, okay, perfect. I kept it simple. Okay, cool. And uh, mine is pretty short, but you know what? That's why you're here, Omar. That, yeah. To pick up the slack. That's why you have the longer ones all the time. But uh, I guess we can just get started now. Um, so I'm going to start with a tree that is considered the most dangerous tree in the world. A killer tree? Killer tree. Kind of like um, Groot. Is that who it's on? <laughs> it's about Groot. Okay, so in 1999, two years after I was born and three years after you were born, there was a radiologist named Nicola Strickland. She was in vacation in Tobago, which is one of the Caribbean islands. The island is known for its deserted beaches. Tobago? Tobago. Trivago. Tamago, like the egg I let you try at the poke bar, poke bowl place. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, never mind, I'm not going to say that. But uh, <laughs> So d- during her first morning there, she was walking around the beaches and she was... Doing the the scavenger hunt type of thing. She was looking for shells and she corals. She was geocaching. She was looking for trash to keep on her windowsill in her beach-themed home. Uh, you said, that sounded like a lot of spite. You don't like how people collect she, seashells? I think the uh, beach-themed homes is a little um, overdone. Oh. My dad, every time he goes somewhere, he likes to pick up rocks. But he, the rocks need to be something that speaks to him. It needs to be important the hell does that mean i don't know he picks up a rock and he's like wow this is a rock and i i, I don't understand well he's probably listening right now i'm gonna need clarification on that i don't know but my mom has already told him don't bring back rocks 
there's times where he comes back from his trip and he's like, I brought souvenirs. My mom's like, it's not rocks, is it? And he's like, uh, no. He sounds like, he just sounds like an extreme cheapskate. <laughs> hey guys, I brought back gifts and it's rocks. Generic rocks too, right? Like, well, I remember one time in high school, you painted a rock to look at a dinosaur. I still have it. We use it in my parents' house as a door stopper. Oh, just like your father. <laughs> just like <laughs> bringing home rocks. All right. Uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, she's uh, looking for shells and corals and whatnot. As you do on the beach. Yes. Or sand dollars. It's a shell, I guess. Never mind. So um, she spots some coconut trees and some mango trees. She saw another tree that had some green fruit on it that smelled really sweet and they looked like crab apples. Okay. What are crab apples? They're a red apple, huh? It's just small ones? I think so. Well, but there's so many different types of apples. Granny Smith? Honey Crisp? Sour green one? Fiji? Sour apple, yeah. Caramel apple? Candy apple? Oh, my. Um, apples $1,000 stand? Okay, that's... You want to talk about it? <laughs> That's a different podcast. <laughs> okay. So she uh, she went up to this apple-looking fruit, and she uh, ate it, and it was tasty and sweet. But as soon as she ate it, there was an immediate burning feeling in her mouth, and her throat got really tight to the point where she could barely swallow. So it felt like she had a lump Spicy in her mouth. Apple. Spicy apple. forbidden apple. So the fruit she ate was called a beach apple, or a poison guava. And it's mm. from a tree called the... Menchineal tree. Menchineal? Okay, I gotta Menchineal. say, when you said deadly tree and then you said she saw a coconut tree, I thought it was gonna be the coconut tree, because no, people no. die when coconuts fall on their heads. Like, you know a what? lot of people. We're gonna take a side note. You know what a um, jackfruit is? Yeah. Or durian? Uh-huh. I think... So now that I think about it, I've heard someone say before that the jackfruit tree is, like, the most dangerous... Well, the jackfruit is the most dangerous fruit in the world. I guess that's... What about this? this? I guess this is tree. This is talking about like the whole tree, and I'll get into that. Okay. But the jackfruit is actually really dangerous because it's a fruit that's like as big as probably your torso. And a fruit as big as your torso that's spiky on the outside. And it grows on like above in tall trees. So these giant fruit that weigh probably like 20, 30 pounds would fall from these trees and kill people. I should have done my story on that one. Yeah, that sounds like a way more interesting It sounds story. way cooler. Oh, well, this man. one kind of, it, it feels like a mystery to me because I, I don't know why she died. You know what? Maybe, uh, maybe I'll, when you're looking at yours, I'll look up jackfruit real quick and we'll talk about that. Okay, we'll see. So, um... This tree is a flowering plant that is native to southern North America and northern South America. So if you want, you could probably find some in Florida. Because they got some in Florida. So, manchineal comes from the Spanish word mazanilla, which means little apple. Mm -hmm. Manzanita. Manzanita? Well, it's because they have this Mexican drink, manzana. Manzana. But you just order manzanita. Yeah. Manzanilla. Is how they have it here. Yeah, okay, that works too. Mazzini, or yeah. ma- mazzanilla, no. whichever. Manila? <laughs> That's in the Philippines. So in Spanish today, the fruit is called manzanilla de la muerte, which means... Apple of the death. Or little apple, apple of death. Little apple of death. So a good thing about the tree, you know, other than it's 
name. Killer, killer properties. Oh. Um, it has roots that stabilize the sand and prevent erosion. And they're good for windbreaking. Hey, that's good. We know about that down here in the south. Yeah, uh, I put a note here. It's like, that's the reason why they're good to keep around. And maybe we should bring some to South Louisiana. I don't know. It's an invasive species. No, it's actually endangered right now. Oh, really? Yeah. I'd imagine because like, people don't want it, like so they're killing it. Because it kills people. Or at least hurts people a lot. Yeah. So, uh, next time you're in Florida, avoid the trees that are like 50, about 50 feet tall. Yay, hi. What How did you get the fruit off the top of the... I don't know. I, you know what? I did not think about that. Or so, maybe it's just 50 feet tall, but it's got leaves all the way down. I don't know. So, on average, it's 50 feet tall. That's humongous. It's probably, probably is really dense and has leaves towards the bottom, too. That's why it's so good at windbreaking. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they're 50 feet. Uh, on average, 50 feet tall are about 15 meters. And they're red and grayish bark with small green slash yellow flowers. And with the fruit that kind of looks like apples. So, we know that the fruit is poisonous, but turns out every part of the tree is poisonous. And that's because of this milky white sap that comes from the tree. Okay. So, it contains a ton of different um, skin irritants. One of them is like foral or fobol. For well, I sh- you know what I should probably should wrote it down but I didn't. Anyway, there's a poison <laughs> in the sap that really irritates the skin and leads to allergic reactions if you touch it. So it's so toxic and it's a water-based sap. So when it rains, the poison really or it's a water-based poison. So when it mixes in with the rain, just by like raining down and dripping off of it, a little bit of poison from the sap that like mixes in with the rainwater can cause the skin to blister how yes dude. so it, it causes like, so let's not have them for hurricane season yeah no, imagine? just stay away from under them 50 mile per hour rain wind and it's poisonous blistering yeah you get acid rain on you it's so bad that you even like damages car paint what yeah i don't know like how nature is mad okay yeah. So you can't even burn the trees now because the smoke is also from it really bad. messes you up. So um, more specifically, like what it does to you, the milky sap can cause bullous dermatitis, which is like large fluid-filled sacs on your skin. I looked at some pictures and it's like gross and yellow looking. And it, it's really similar and it even looks really similar to burn blisters. So you ever got a burn blister? Even yeah. if you got a, a blister in general, blister. it kind of looks like that, and it like swells a burn up. A blister just fills with yellow stuff. Exactly. And a regular blister fills with clear, watery stuff. Yeah, fluid, some type of fluid. We're not doctors. No, not at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, it it has that yellow, mm-hmm. yellowy liquid in there that looks like burn blisters. It can also give you acute. Okay, it's a long word. Keratoconjunctivitis. Yeah, yeah, keratoconjunctivitis. Right, of course, everyone knows what it is. But, you know, for the people that don't know, I'll explain. Yeah. It's a chronic inflammatory disease of the eye that makes it look all, like, bloodshot and yellow and crusty. It's pretty That's, gross. Yeah, this sounds like the worst case of being guy. Yeah, it's, like, really, it's yellow eye because it's kind of yellow and crusty. Jaundice. Jaundice. <laughs> you just get jaundice. And possibly you can get large corneal epithelial defects. So I looked at the other two because 
you know, I put a little effort into it, but uh, I didn't really look at this one. But you basically, look up the one with the weirdest name. Okay, conjunctivitis. Keratogen- conjunctivitis. Okay, second the weirdest. Anyway, isn't that eyes? Yes. And what's the second word? Epithelial. Epithelial. It drains your eyes of water. I don't know. Okay. Like I said, <laughs> like I, I didn't look it up that much. Like, I kind of looked at it, and, like, it wasn't easily, like, the definition wasn't easily found, so I was like, forget about it. But basically, it messes your eye up. Okay. So, um, that's, like, kind of like when it gets in the smoke, and it hurts your eyeballs. More than smoke already does hurt your eyeballs. So, um, with the fruit itself, when you eat it, it can give you gastroenteritis. You know what that is? Something with the stomach. It gives you gas. Nah, it gives you the stomach flu, pretty much. Oh. But it also comes with bleeding and shock and bacterial super infection. Bleeding from where? Uh, I'm assuming in your tummy. That's not fun. No. And then there's a bacterial super infection, like not a regular one. It like just happens to be already immune to all like medicines or something. I don't know. It just said it. You just get a super infection. And uh, there's potential for airway compromise. Basically, what I girl Nicola yeah, had. Yeah, her throat swelled up. Her throat swelled up. And she said it hurt real bad. Um, You said it gave them blisters, but it just irritated. It's a chemical burn, right? Yeah, on, on okay. the outside, on your, when it touches your skin. Okay, that makes sense. Because I was trying to figure out, like... Is it hot? Is it, yeah. <laughs> the poison hot? But I don't want to say it aloud, but thanks for calling me. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so the, the stomach flu part basically makes you vomit and diarrhea to, to the point where you're extremely dehydrated. So if you ate a bunch of it, you would become very dehydrated because of, uh, the poo-poo and the throw up. Uh, even a little bit of the juice from the fruit can really mess you up. Like just a little bit causes ulcers. Like in your mouth, like when you eat it and stuff. I'm sure it does that too. And if you had touched skin, it would cause other things that are very similar to ulcers. One one time I was cutting jalapenos and I was taking the seeds out with my finger. And then I went and I touched, uh, I went in my nose. <laughs> so, 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 wait, you dug in your nose. Is that, you're saying you picked your nose. I picked my nose. <laughs> what do you say? Essentially. I like how you tried to say, I, uh, I just went I in my, my nose. I passed my finger by my nose in the vertical position. <laughs> and then uh, it started burning. And it was bad, and it was just one. So I grabbed a plate and I poured milk in there, and I just buried my face in it. Oh, what? Yeah, desperate times, man. Did you have a seed stuck in your nose? No, no, it's just my finger burned. You just had a spicy. And the finger. rim around my nose started burning and swelling. So <laughs> I was pretty milk in your nose. It's because usually I never core out a jalapeno. You just keep the seeds. Yeah. And, like, the white, weird parts of the pepper? I don't know if this is a Mexican thing, but, like, we eat a jalapeno with the side of our food. Like, just a raw jalapeno with some salt. With salt? Yeah, like, you bite it and you dip it in salt, and then you bite that and you eat your food and stuff. That's weird. Yeah, well, these jalapenos are really spicy, so I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to seed it and then just eat it like I would. And it was not. Not a good idea. Because my fingers were on fire. Doesn't sound like a good idea. This is the least professional podcast we've had. Why? Phone's going off and stuff. Right. Yeah, I'm actually laying in bed, too. All right, keep going. All right, anyway. Uh, yeah, and you're wearing the robe from last week, and you're over here looking like Hugh Hefner right now. 
I got a nice robe. All right. Stolen from a nice establishment, but we're not going to talk about that. All right. So, um, let's see. Which I, I lost my spot. Ah, okay. So, in the areas where those trees are found, um, people try to like, keep others from messing with the trees by putting up signs. Or they'll even put, like, red X's or red rings around the tree so you know, like, don't touch it. Well, to me, red means play. Uh, is that true? No, uh, it should, no, definitely not. It should not. But uh, when people are brave enough to, like, get close to the tree, they can actually have some uses for it. So it's useful in some ways. Um, for example, you can use the poison to poison the water supplies of your enemy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's been uh, known to be a use of this tree before. Um, people would use the sap to poison arrows. Okay, I thought you were going to say, like, benefits. Like, it turns out it cures something. I don't know. Nah, uh, it does. It cures it, cancer. Like a, a Spanish explorer named Juan Ponce de Leon. You remember that guy? Ponce de Leon? I've heard that name before. Why are you saying all your French guy? Juan Ponce de Leon. Ponce de Leon? Ponce de Leon. I remember it being said like one word, so that's how I'm okay, trying to well. do it. Well, he, uh, he died from uh, an arrow that was poisoned by the Machineal Mach- sap. But would he have just died from the arrow too? <laughs> <laughs> he was shot in the heart. I don't think the poison tip was... The poison killed. tip made sure that he died. Okay. Blood definitely came with that. It just made the death a little worse. Yeah, just like a little more irritated and like itchy and stuff. And boily. Oh yeah, he was uncomfortable when he died. For sure. Um, so, other more useful uses for the trees are it can be used for timber. Like, uh, Korean people would use it for furniture and stuff like that. But they would have to like leave it in the sun to dry so the mm. sap was no longer poisonous. Um, apparently... You can make gum from the bark. Is it the cinnamon gum? <laughs> Dude, that's a spicy gum. Yeah, yeah. That Once makes it got red hot. Boils and ulcers are everywhere. You're talking about, uh, is it? That's not red hot. It's uh, big red. Big red. Red hot's the little red. But like, who's eating that? Who would eat this? I don't know. That's terrifying. Um, that was also uh, supposed to cure some epidus. Epidus? Yeah, yeah. Epidus. Something like that. Um, but who knows? I'm that not eating it. that gum. Also, this fruit can be eaten too, apparently. It can be dried and eaten. Um, but it's mostly used as a diuretic. So it makes you poo-poo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it dehydrates I'll you. To, I'll stick to my metal one fiber or whatever. <laughs> Basically how it kills people. Like dehydrates them by making them poop and vomit. But, uh, you know, if you just eat a little bit, it just makes the poop goes down a little more smoothly. A little bit, and it's got to be sun-dried. Yeah, just a little bit, though. So, um, some mentions of the tree in, like, writings and whatnot. Um, Alexander Exquemelon. 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 Alexander X wrote... I cut a branch thereof to serve me instead of a fan, but all my face swelled the next day and filled with blisters <laughs> as if it were burnt to such a degree that I was blind for three days. So the sap Poor blinds Alex, you. Alex, dude. Alex. He just wanted a nice little fan. It was just a little toasty outside. Man, explorers be wild. Dude, is that what he is? Exquemelon? 
I, he sounds like an explorer. I feel like I've heard that name too as an explorer. Yeah. Anyway, uh, another person in 1774 named Nicholas Cresswell said that the fruit are rank poison and that neither fruit nor wood is of any use. But you know what? He was wrong. People found out how to make gum from it. And poison and, arrows. And they ate it to poo-poo. Yeah. So, you know what, Nicholas? You're wrong. Honestly, though, it, it sounds like the worst tree. Yeah, no, you shouldn't mess with it. Okay, so this plant was also mentioned in a little book called The Guinness World of Records as the world's most dangerous tree. Because, I mean, you can't even stand under it. But they don't right. know about jackfruit. So I look... They don't know about jackfruit. <laughs> we'll, we'll teach them. We'll learn them. But uh, I looked up this article or this tree yesterday. Then this morning it was like raining a good bit. And on the way home, it was like drizzling. And I saw this dude sitting under a tree. And I thought, man, if that were a manchineal tree, that dude would be hurting. I'd rather get wet. Yeah, well... I, Can you wash it off or do you think that just spreads it? Because it's water... Ooh, that's What's true. What's it called? Water-based? Water Water-based. You think it would spread it? I don't know. I guess so. Are you supposed just to rub it? it? i try it. I don't think urine's sterile, right? People always say urine's sterile, but it's not. No, it's not. Okay, that makes no, sense. urine's dirty. That's why you gotta wash your hands. That's why you have to pee. It's not good for you, so yeah, yeah, get exactly. it out. That makes sense. Okay. Anyway, uh, so we're gonna come back uh, to our girl Nicola to kind of end it off. She died. She said that it took over eight hours for the pain to subside. Oh. So she's alive, but um, the, she only ate a tiny bit. And apparently the toxin drained into her lymph nodes on her neck, so that made it even hurt, hurt even more. So her lymph nodes got really swollen, and mm-hmm. they couldn't even touch it, and it hurt. Uh, but apparently she uh, carefully sipped on pina coladas of milk, and uh, uh, the milk made it better, but apparently alcohol makes it a little worse, too. That makes sense. Yeah. So all of this kind of reminds me of um, the time you, yeah, the time you ate a hot pepper. Yeah. I mean, I didn't blister from it or get any ulcers, but uh, that's crazy. I I don't know. I couldn't do that thing where people are like, uh, what's it called? The paleo diet, which is basically like, what can you find? What can you eat? That's what it is, right? Uh, no. Yeah, you eat whatever you can find. What do you mean, what you can find? You can find whatever, though. No, I mean, like, that's essentially it. Like, whatever cavemen and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. can find. Yeah, what they so, ate like, in you the can't eat time. grains, because grains take, what, months to grow and then harvest. They yeah, didn't do that. Yeah, basically meat. So, and, and berries uh, and fruits. Yeah, and veg- vegetables. Yeah, and there's so many poisonous veggies yeah. and fruits. But you know what? Berries. Nicola lived to... Uh, Bio tells what it tastes like. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those, like the Tide Pods. Like they look so good. I just want to know what it tastes. I like. put it right here that it's called a forbidden fruit, and there's all those memes of like Tide Pods calling them forbidden, forbidden fruit. Yeah. Uh, but she said it tasted like a ripe plum. Okay, well, I'll just stick to ripe plums. Yeah, just eat a ripe plum and pretend it's a manchineal. Uh, but what beach if she's just saying that because it's the best, and she doesn't want anyone experiencing? She well. She said it tasted really sweet and tasted and smelled really sweet. Mm. She said it was good. Is it good to smell? Safe to smell? Or um, am I going to have another jalapeno in the nose? <laughs> another spicy nostril from the beach apple. So um, that's all I really have on the manchineal tree and its forbidden fruit. All right. Well, let's jump into mine. Uh, mine's more... I, I told you it was about an author. and It's more of a biography of this author. 
but at the same time it cuts all the fun interesting stuff it's kind of just a little list of his career but he's one of my favorite oh, wait, why wouldn't we just talk about the interesting stuff yeah i know it's because i went through his wikipedia page and it just listed all his stuff i was like well that's lame let me go find another website and i went to his britannica you remember using britannica yeah, the Atlas type yeah, of Yeah, deal. it's the Atlas. Not the one for kids. That's the one we used to use in the library. That was my favorite one. At elementary. I used that to read that fun. just for fun. <gasps> Jinx. Buddies. Uh, Twins. Nerds. Um, and that one didn't have a lot either. So, I thought he was, like, prominent, but I guess not. But can you guess who I'm talking about? Uh, tree. Yes, yes. Author, the Giving Tree. The Giving Tree. What's his name? Ma'am, uh, Shel Silverstein. Shel Silverstein. Dude, you're on a roll. That was one of my favorite children's books. Yeah, it's a good classic. It's a dark one. Yeah, I'll get into that. Uh, and his poem books were cool too, like Where the Sidewalk Ends, There's a Light yeah. in the Attic. I remember reading oh, those wow. too. Oh, wow. I kind of want to buy one now. Like, I'm, I'm serious. He has a... Okay, well, let's get into it. Can you buy me that for my birthday? <laughs> Which one do you want? Uh, Since you're moving... Since you're moving, the giving tree would be a good one because I'm your tree. Oh my god. How depressing. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, born into a Jewish family on September 25th, 1930, Sheldon Allen Shell Silverstein. Uh, he was born in Illinois. Illinois. That's a silent. Illinois. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, so he grew up in the Logan Square neighborhood of Chicago, where he attended Roosevelt High School. Uh, Silverstein began drawing at the age of seven by tracing the works of Al Cap. Do you know who Al Cap is? I have no idea who Al Cap is. Um, he's this comic book character, and he always looks like he's from New York and it's blue and stuff. Uh, he's this comic book character. Imagine the 1930s or 1920s character looking um later in life he said uh when i was a kid 12 to 14 i'd much rather have been a good baseball player or a hit with the girls but i couldn't play ball i couldn't dance luckily the girls didn't want me (laughs) not much i could do about that so i started to draw and to write i was also lucky i didn't have anybody to copy be impressed by which I think is kind of strange he says this because the earlier sentence was he traced the works of Al Cap. Who's Al Cap? He's a comic character, a comic strip oh, character. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what you said. Um, so, uh, where is it? I had developed my own style. Um, but apparently he was quite the ladies' man, but I guess not when he was a kid. I was going to say, he was saying, uh, he sounded real depressed. I couldn't even play ball. No one liked me. But I like his outlook on it. He was like, I couldn't do anything about that. So I just started my own thing. I started doing what I could do. Uh, He went to attend the University of Illinois, but he was expelled due to poor grades. He then enrolled in the Chicago Academy of Fine Arts, which he was attending when he was drafted into the United States Army. He served in Japan and Korea. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, But actually, his time during the Army was really important for his career during his time in the military his cartoons were published in pacific stars and stripes which was this magazine mm-hmm. uh, he was originally brought there to like do the layout and stuff but he's like hey can i do a comic strip too uh he had originally been assigned to layouts and paste ups i just need to read my report <laughs> uh, his first book take 10 a compliment compilation of the military take 10 cartoon series was published by the pacific stars and stripes in 1955 
He later had his name. Uh, he later said his time in college was a waste, and he would have better been. He would have better spent traveling. Wait, he said his time in college was a waste, and would have been better spent traveling around the world and meeting people. Uh, that's that's how I feel sometimes. After returning to college. <laughs> After returning to college, Silverstein began submitting cartoons to magazines while also selling hot dogs out of Chicago baseball parks. Uh, his cartoons began looking uh, began appearing in Look, Sports Illustrated, and This Week. Uh, mass market paperback readers across America were introduced to Silverstein in 1956 when Take 10 was reprinted by Ballotine Books as Grab Your Socks. So all his prints from his military time, his uh-huh. military cartoons were republished in Grab Your Socks. And that's when he got real mainstream. Grab Your Socks is a magazine? Grab Your Socks was the name of the book. Okay, okay, gotcha. Uh, on the cover, it's like a general yelling at a guy, Grab Your Socks. Because uh, yeah. he was in bed and everything. He's like, get up and get ready. Uh, so in 1957, Silverstein began one of the leading cartoonists in? New York. Remember, I said he was a lady man. In it's a magazine. Oh, in of uh, Vogue, Playboy. Uh, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, he became a leading cartoon in Playboy, which sent him around the world to create an illustrated travel journal with reports from far-flung locales. The guy that wrote my favorite children's book wrote for Playboy. He was an adult writer first. Wow. Uh, so yeah, during the 1950s and 60s, he produced 23 installments called Shell Silverstein Visits, dot, 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 uh, as a feature for Playboy. Uh, employing a sketchbook format with a typewriter styled captions, he documented his own experiences as such locations as a New Jersey nudist colony, the Chicago White Sox training camp, San Francisco, Height Oshbury District. Uh, Fire Island, Mexico, London, Paris, Spain, and Africa. Hang on. There's a nude colony in and New, New Jersey? Jersey? Uh, apparently in the 1960s. What? Yeah, I read that one too, but I didn't read too far into it. I'm going to uh, research the nude colony later. <laughs> um, so, in a Swiss village, uh, he drew himself complaining, I'll give them 15 more minutes, and if nobody yodels, I'm going back to the motel. <laughs> Uh, there was another one where he was talking to a prostitute and he drew himself asking a prostitute a question. And the prostitute's like, uh, there's no prostitution here. There's only love. You love me. I love money. You give me money because you love me. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, pretty mature stuff, right? Yeah, this is he's a grown man writing grown man things. Uh, I didn't read too much into it, but apparently he was a ladies man. Like, he would... Um, uh, there was one playbook uh, playboy w- girl she was like the cover of the magazine for one month or something I was telling people like yeah he wasn't too big on commitment and he would dump girls who were getting too attached to him because oh. like, i'm kind of just in this for the the fun vibes oh shell yeah oh shell i didn't know this about him i just thought uh, he was a bearded me neither. i just thought he was the guy that wrote the giving tree and that yeah. was it uh so his best-known cartoon of the 1950s was featured on a cover of his next cartoon collection. Now here's the plan. A Book of Futilities, which was published by Simon and Schuster in 1960. Do you know what this book is? Uh, this cover is? No. Okay. It's one, it's, it is his most famous 
uh, cited artwork. You would think it's the Giving Tree, but most people, when they talk about Shel Silverstein, they talk about this piece of art. Um, so the sidewalk that never ends. No, I'm about to explain it. Uh, <laughs> this is from Lisa Rogak, which was a biographer of his. Uh, she wrote the cartoon on the cover that provides the book title will turn out to be one of his most famous and often cited cartoons. In the cartoon, two prisoners are chained to the wall of a prison cell. Both their hands and feet are shackled. One says to the other, now here's my plan. Silverstein was both fascinated and distressed by the amount of analysis and commentary that almost immediately began to swirl around the cartoon. A lot of people said it was very pessimistic cartoon, which I don't think so at all, he said. There's a lot of hope in a hopeless situation. They analyze it and question it. I did this cartoon because I had a funny idea about a funny situation about two guys. Hang on, I have to look this up now. I when I saw it, I, I recognized it. So, Shell Silverstein... Now, here's my plan. Now, now, here's the plan. Or Now, here's my plan. Yeah. Okay, and this is a just piece of art? Well, he made that cartoon, and then he was making a book of cartoons, and they used that cartoon as the cover. Okay. So, now, here's my plan. Two skinny-looking dudes chained up. Both hands and both feet. Yeah. And the only way out is like a, a basically a, a jail cell window, but on the ceiling in this picture. Yeah. So that's what he he's saying. Like people have been analyzing it. Like, what does it mean? But he was just like, it's a funny story, a funny situation. Because it looks like there's clearly no way out. Yeah. But this guy's like, all right, I got a plan. <laughs> It's not so. that funny. I just want to say that. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. No, it's not that funny. Well, that's because you're thinking giving tree shell. You got to think Playboy shell. Playboy shell. Hey. Uh, so Silverstein's cartoons appeared in issues of Playboy from 1957 through the mid 1970s, uh, and one of his Playboy features was expanded into Uncle Shelby's ABZ book uh, in 1961. Uh, this was his first book of new original material for adults. Uh, Uncle Shelby was his his cover name or his pen name. That's the name Uncle he wrote. Uncle Shelby? Under. Uncle Shelby. That's not a good pen name. Yeah, he should just stick the Shell Silver scene. Right? Yeah, he gets to choose and he chooses that. <laughs> uh, so Silverstein's editor, Ursula Nordstrom, encouraged Silverstein to write children's poetry. So now he's making the transition. Uh, Silverstein <laughs> said that he never studied uh, the poetry of others and therefore developed his own quirky s- style, laid back and controversial, occasionally employing profanity and slang. Uh, I remember really liking his poems because it didn't feel like boring poetry. Uh, so he switched to children's lit in the 1960s with the following works. His, fest- his first efforts under the name Uncle Shelby Included Uncle Shelby's ABZ book, A Primer for Tender Young Minds, uh, and Who Wants a Cheap Rhinoceros in 1964. <laughs> uh, among his memorable characters were the protagonist in Uncle Shelby's story of Lafacadeo and The Lion Who Shot Back. Hold up. <laughs> the Lion that Who Shot Back is a children's book? Yeah. That sounds kind of dark. Probably about poachers and stuff. I think so. I didn't read into it. Uh, the Boy Man 
and tree in the giving tree and his most uh his most famous work and the partial circle in the missing piece falling up and his last illustrated published collection which was his last illustrated public collection so that was just a list of some of his children's works uh in a 1975 interview, he was asked uh, how he was asked how he came to do children's books. You want to guess how? His friend told him to. Yeah, uh, he said, <laughs> "I didn't. I never planned uh, to write or draw for children. It was Tommy Uger, a friend of mine, who insisted, practically dragging me, kicking and screaming, into Ursula Nordstrom's office, and she convinced me that uh, Tommy was right." I could do children's books. The relationship between Ursula Nordstrom and Shel Silverstein is mutually rewarding. He considered her a superb editor who knew uh, when to leave an editor say so. Uh, when to leave an author or illustrator alone. Oh, why were they reading his like Playboy uh, comics? Thinking, wow, children would love this. Well, I'm guessing it's because he was also an illustrator. And they must have been like, this guy is going to be the next Dr. Seuss. It looks cool. Yeah. Uh, He's been compared to Dr. Seuss a a number of times. He doesn't really use color that much, does he? No. Not, at least not in the ones. Really, it's just like a poem and then like an illustration on the side, like a doodle. Yeah, it looks like a doodle. doodle. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. Um, So, asked if he would change... Uh, asked if he would change something he had produced on an editor say so he answered with a flat no so he wouldn't really do what they said but he added oh i will take a suggestion for a revision i do eliminate certain things when i'm writing for children if i think only an adult will get the idea Uh, then i drop it or save it but editors messing with content no he doesn't he doesn't allow for that Uh, so he had been surprised by the astronomical record of the giving tree his biggest seller uh and one one of the most successful children's books in years and he said no he wasn't surprised by that either he said uh what i do is good uh i wouldn't let it out if i didn't think it was dude is confident that's that's of course my uh my book hit the top charts because it's good i'm uncle uncle shelby of course i'm the best uh the giving tree was not even his own uh his favorite books he said, I like Uncle Shelby's ABZ, a giraffe and a half, and left cardio, and the lion who shot back. I think that one's my most favorite. So, I need to apparently read the lion who shot back. I want to read the uh, the first one. What was it? Uncle Shelby's ABZ. ABZs. Okay. Dude just messed up the ABCs for all, so many kids. That one had another un- underline, huh? Yeah, a primer for tender young minds. So, speaking about kids, I think I'm on my last oh my two God. pages. You're going to have a kid. No. <laughs> this might announce it. No. Uh, we don't know much about Shell's relationship with his children, uh, but we know he had two of them. And given the rate he went through with women, maybe more, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, he's a pervert. No. Oh. He's a playboy, Johnny. It's he's different. a playboy? Yeah. I don't think he's a playboy. If women want him. Did they, though? They did. Did they? They did. All that one girl said was that he was unfaithful. No. He said he would bat away women who were trying to get too attached to him. That just means he's an asshole. They're still getting after him. 
You can't yes. blame them for what they like. He's Johnny. just a player. Are you jealous of this guy? I am He's jealous. He's dead, Johnny. Okay. He's dead. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> so he had one daughter, uh, Shoshana Jordan Hastings, born on June 30th, 1970, uh, with Susan Taylor Hastings of Salcito, California. His daughter, Shoshana. Oh. Oh, no. Because of Shell's nomadic and completely unpredictable lifestyle, she stayed with her mom, Susan Hastings. Dude was nomadic? What? It's because he traveled a lot. Yeah. But I'm just thinking of, like, him and, like, nomadic tribes. with camels and stuff. No, so, uh, Susan, the mother, died on June 29th, 1975, one day before Shoshana's fifth birthday. Oh, no. Yeah, talk about worst birthday ever. Uh, Shanna went to live with her aunt and uncle, uh, and apparently there was no question of Shell settling down to be a full-time dad. So Shanna died of cerebral aneurysm six years later at the age of 11. Oh my God. Yeah, that's sad. That's so... That at 11, family, she had an aneurysm? A brain aneurysm, yeah. He dedicated a light in the attic to her, which... Uh, he okay, dedicated I the- forget... For a second there, I forgot that was a book. Yeah. I was like, this dude dedicated a light in his attic for her. <laughs> you turn one light off. No, but I did read it. And because there's a poem called The Light in the Attic. And he's like, I know you're there. I know you're watching or whatever. So it, it's kind of sweet. I'm going to read that after. This. Yeah. Um, so the second, his second child, Matt or Matthew, was born on November 10th, 1983. His mom was Sarah Spencer. A woman who drove the conch train in Key West, Florida. A conch train? Yeah, I don't know. I think What's it was just, it was a trackless train, so I think it was really just a trolley of carts. Okay. But it must have been conch themed. Conch? I don't know. She was just a bus driver pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but it was a train, it had multiple carts. Um uh, she ended up inspiring Shells the Great conch train robbery song because he was also a songwriter like a very what? good songwriter he, i didn't know that that's one of his interesting facts i'll get to uh so shell bought a house in key west and settled down there well settled down as best he could you know he, he he's still, still a nomad yeah he still uh came and went and he spent much more time with matt than he had with shanna his that's other good daughter. i'm yeah. sure he's learned by now well I'm glad you asked because because okay. <laughs> no, he has not learned. <laughs> no, he did learn. Uh, friends said that uh, he didn't, although he didn't discuss it much. One of his biggest regrets was that he hadn't been a better father, better father to his daughter, and Shell dedicated following up another book to his son Matt. So, I think he's make he's learning lessons. Yeah, he's 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 growing, turning into a good person, which is. Like, you always hear, like, the happiest people or whatever, or, like, the funniest people. The, or the, the most... saddest people are the ones with the biggest smiles on their face. Right, right. And he has a big smile on that one, the back cover of the Giving Tree. No, yeah. See that you can't forget his face. Right. With By, a smile. Like, now I know he's a nomad plagued with sadness. Yeah, I didn't know that about him. Uh, so, on May 10th, 1999, Silverstein died at the age of 68. Of a heart attack in Key West, Florida. He was later... When? 99? 99. The same year The same year, year Nicola ate the apple. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, 
he was later buried in the West Cemetery in Nordage, Illinois. Illinois. In Illinois. His hometown. Dang, this nomad back home. So, uh, Silverstein often eschewed happy endings from, uh, endings because children, he said, might otherwise wonder why they themselves were not comparably happy. Wow. Isn't that awesome? I don't know. It's awesome. I'm gonna make Did the kids you know sad because they're gonna be sad. Mean? Eschewed? Yeah, yeah, like uh, change from or. Yeah, yeah, it means uh, to omit because of some moral belief or something. Dang, he eschewed the the hell out of that. End of the of happy endings because children might not. They might start wondering why am I not as happy? I mean, I remember the giving tree, and I'm gonna spoil it real quick. Spoiler! No, no, alert. we'll talk oh, about the tree. whole thing. We'll see if we can remember it all. Okay. I don't have it written down, but I'm getting towards the end. You can, that's some more. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, so, where were He was credited for helping young readers develop an appreciation for poetry. For sadness. Yeah, which is poetry. And his serious verse, uh, verse reveals an understanding of common childhood anxieties and wishes. Silverstein also wrote one-act plays, sometimes working with David Mamet as well as songs um yeah i think he was a big reason i got like i enjoyed poetry in elementary school like reading i remember we would all read silverstein books the uh, where the sidewalk ends and one yeah yeah i remember remember taking turns there was one about like a washing machine or something and it was just loads and loads of laundry i feel like i remember the same one well, that's crazy because, I mean, we all read the same poems. We all read Giving Tree, but we weren't together. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'll get into some shell facts. Shell ready? facts. Shell yeah. facts. Uh, the Giving Tree, a children's picture book, uh, is the most famous work by Shel Silverstein. It took him four years to find a publisher for the book, uh, as editors found it too depressing for kids and too <laughs> simple for adults. So... You would have been the one to not greenlight it. It was published in 1964, uh, and interest in the book increased by word of mouth. By 2001, over 5 million copies of the book had been sold, placing it 14th on a list of hardcover, all-time bestseller children's book from Publishers Weekly. It's because there's a plot twist in there. You you see it coming, dude. But you don't know that's where it's going. Okay, by the time he builds the boat, the canoe, you're pretty sure this is where it's headed. So, another fun fact. While in the military, Shell could have been court-martialed over a comic strip, which suggested that officers were dressing their families in stolen uniforms. But he was able to narrowly avoid what would have been the world's first cartoon-related court-martial. What? So, he's a bad boy. He's a bad boy, but he's like the lame bad boy. Yeah. Like, what are you in here for? cartoons i made a cartoon that criticized our officer so uh and the next one silverstein was also a prominent musician he released nine original albums and wrote more than 90 800 songs what 800 he dang yes uh sheldon enjoy mainstream success in music until someone else did the same i guess he wasn't a good singer <sighs> Several of the songs written by Shell went on to become huge hits, including A Boy Named Sue, which was made popular by Johnny Cash. Will I am. Johnny Cash. And Sylvia's Mother, the first hit 
by Doc, uh, Dr. Hook and The Medicine Show. He also composed songs for several films and TV specials. And I think he won a Grammy for one of his songs. What? I didn't write that down, but I don't know why that wasn't included. Yeah. Dang. So he, his main thing really was, uh, was basically music because 800 some songs? He was a renaissance man. Dude did everything. Yeah, he was a renaissance man. But it's crazy that I only knew him for The Giving Tree and those short story poetry books. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense because poetry and music, like writing it, it's pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, so I'm at the end of my report, but I'll conclude with a quote from Shell, an inspirational quote that I hope. I will carry throughout carry my life for the rest and of I'll life. make it my Instagram bio. Yeah, yeah. It's a rather long quote, so maybe, okay, so maybe not make a whole post part. about it. Uh, I would hope that people, no matter what age, would find something to identify with in my books. Pick up one and experience a personal sense of discovery. That's great. I think that if you're a creative person, you should just go uh, about your business and do your work and not care about how it's received. I never read reviews because if you believe the good ones, you have to believe the bad ones too. Not that I care about success. Not that I don't care about success. I do, but only because it lets me do what I want. I always, uh, I was always prepared for success, but that means that I have to be prepared for failure too. I have an ego. I have ideas. I want to be uh, articulate to communicate, but in my own way. People who say they create for only themselves and don't care if they are published. I hate to hear talk like that. If it's good, it's too good not to be shared. That's the way I feel about my work. He basically just said, do you and I'm going to do me. Do you? I'm going to do me. Um, what else? I, I really like his, I never read reviews because if you believe the good ones, you have to believe the bad ones too. He's right. That's, that's you, what. You can't cherry pick. Because I'm a cherry picker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just take these good ones. I'm a big boy cherry picker. So yeah, that's all I got on him. That was my shortest report, but there wasn't a lot on it. I mean, I could have, I tried to bulk it up with some quotes from like him and friends, <laughs> but I mean, it didn't really help. Well, like, let's talk about the giving tree. Okay. What do you remember that story as? Well, I mean, I know it starts with a tree and it ends with a stump. Like a, do- it was a dope tree. It was a dope tree. The boy got like fruit from it. And then later on, he got, what, a stick from it or something? Um, well, first he got, like, a swing. Yeah. That's, like, one of the first things. from the branch, yes. And then, yeah, and then I guess it turned to fruit. Halfway point. He had a stick to play with. Yeah, yeah, halfway point. He made a canoe, which, I mean, that's a pretty jerk thing to do, cut the tree down and make a canoe. And then he needed a tree. I mean, he needed lumber to make a house because he got married. Yeah. He grew up and got married and he needed a house. And then eventually he was an old man. Yeah, that was the one of the last things. Yeah. The house. The house. Because there was the nothing else left. Yeah. Uh, at the end, he needed a place to sit and all that was left was a stump. So. Dang. No, there's no happy endings because imagine being a kid and it would have been a happy ending. And you're like, oh, well, I don't have anything. Dang, so he, he's the equivalent of like giving a kid some candy and taking it back. Life's rough, kid. Go learn. No, I think he's the equivalent of giving candy, but it's like 
Three Musketeers or something. Like, not the good candy. Yeah, you know, Three Musketeers is not that bad. It's not that great. The, you know what, you know what candy was, I previously thought was bad, but now would probably love? Those Halloween candies that would only come out Halloween in black or orange wrappers. And it's in the shape of, like, stereotypical candies, like, with a twist on both sides. And it was, like, peanut butter. You don't remember that? No. It's, like, I didn't orange go trick-or-treating, bl- so. Oh, man. It I was know like, candy corn. No, not that. It was, like, orange or black. Um, like, either one. No, There's two know. colors. It was, like, wax paper. No idea what We'll buy about. some peanut butter Halloween candies after. And uh, we'll talk more about oh. Mr. Shell and read his poems. Uncle Shell. Shelby. So which one do you want, dude? Which one do you want me to get you? I want Uncle Shelby's ABZ, right? I don't know. I got I gotta do more research. But the uh compilation of poems were pretty cool. I yeah. remember those. I remember where the sidewalk ends. See, I don't I don't actually remember the stories at all. I remember I remember the covers vividly. Yes, I remember the covers and reading through them, but I don't remember any of the stories. Yeah. But like the washing machine is a vague memory. It would be a super like hard-hitting nostalgic trip to go through and read them and be like flashbacks vivid flashbacks we're gonna we're gonna get those books and we're gonna do a whole podcast just reading it it's gonna be a free audible wait i don't think we can say that that's not legal it's gonna be a free audio book if it's in the public domain we'll do something like that <laughs> um but well, i guess that's all um uh, that's all we have for uh our work this week uh we're tree our time for this one was uh, 50, about 54 minutes. You want to go on for six minutes? Or you nah. want six minutes of silence so we can head it onto the back? Yeah, we'll, we'll just tag on <laughs> a six minutes of outro music. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so that's it for Tree. Thanks T-R-E-E, for listening. T-R-E-E, Tree. You got to slide that in there, too. Thanks for listening. Bye.